From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. Because, you know, if, if a company does then get a uh, additive manufacturing piece of equipment, then because it, some of them do have a very high cost of investment, then they just want to start pushing their parts through. But again, just, is it economical and does it make sense? And people really need to take a step back before investing in the machine and, and see, you know, what makes sense for your company. And That was Ashley Toten. Ashley is a senior project engineer for America Makes, the National Additive Manufacturing Innovation Institute. Ashley received her BE and MSc in Industrial and Systems Engineering from Youngstown State University. Previously, as an engineering project manager at the Youngstown Business Incubator, worker work focused on analyzing business models for the use of added manufacturing for aerospace maintenance and sustainment. Through her career, she has developed 3D printing curriculum for students and teachers and hosted camps and after-school programs that deal with the new technology. She joins the show today to talk about what she's seeing in the sector and how national consortiums like America Makes are impacting manufacturing around the country. Before we get started, head over to www.3degreescompany.com and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, you can listen to the show anywhere you download your podcast, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, or YouTube. Ashley, thank you so much for joining the show today. Let's just start at the beginning. Kind of, where did you get your start in engineering? Kind of, what was your kind of early days in kind of the added manufacturing kind of career path for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so my career, and I like to go back to high school, even even before then, just who I am, and you know, I when I was little, all I wanted to do. Um, it, in terms of a career was something with animals. So I fell in love with animals and wanted to be a veterinarian when I was little. And then I, you know, grew up, got a little bit older, understood what that meant. Um, so then I kind of changed to, you know, a marine biologist or a zoologist or a park ranger. There was just so many different things going through my head. And um, it wasn't until high school, my sophomore year, that my math teacher actually pulled me aside after class and asked if I ever looked into engineering because I absolutely loved math. Math was my, you know, favorite subject in, in all of grade school. And at that time, I didn't even know what engineering was. I looked at her with confusion. <laughs> and where and, did you go to high school or where, where, where was all this taking place? Um, this was at Mineral Ridge. Um, Middle Ridge High School. So I actually, um, I started off in, so this is all Ohio based. I'm in the Ohio region and in the Youngstown area for anyone listening. Um, but I, I actually started grade school in Warren, Ohio, which is again, a, a pretty popular city and then transferred over to, to Middle Ridge in third grade and was there until I graduated high school. So um, got to move around and make new friends. So that always is fun. But yeah, Middle Ridge High School is where I graduated from. So my, my math teacher, um, geometry teacher, actually, was the one that pulled me aside and, and brought that up to me. I mean, I didn't even know, or have heard of engineering at that point. So after that, I started looking into engineering and realized, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like, um, you know, the, the 
in terms of the math based, obviously engineering is very um, math based. So I love that. And then I saw all these different engineering fields, whether it's aerospace engineering, civil engineering, chemical, mechanical, industrial, and there just seemed like so many opportunities. And not only did I, I love math, but I also love science. So everything was just seeming to, to come together. And um, I kind of started really researching and figuring out which engineering I wanted to, to go into. And I picked industrial and systems engineering because I thought it was the most broad of the engineering um, fields, you know, chemical, you're very chemist based and civil, you know, you got the bridges and stuff and and industrial seemed like, you know, basically every company needs an industrial engineer, you know, for quality control or just to make things run smoother. So I thought, hey, if I do this, maybe I could work out a zoo and still be see some animals. So um, <laughs> that's what I actually picked and graduated to go into and um, chose Youngstown State University as the college of my choice um, and stuck with that and um, really started to, I would say probably sophomore year in college, started to experience the manufacturing world. So again, I was blind to that. And I think most of the general public, unless you're working in the manufacturing field, don't realize what goes on these facilities, you know, that are all over your neighborhoods that are manufacturing pieces and parts that we use on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's a pencil or the, the headphone, the printer, the table. I mean, everything we see in touch and feel goes through a manufacturing facility. And once I started seeing that through some of my classes, I was just blown away and fell in love with the whole manufacturing industry. Um, Any time we had an opportunity to, to go on a tour of a facility, I was there and just to see assembly lines and just all of that. I mean, it was unbelievable. So I, I really developed a passion for, for the manufacturing industry. Um, I think it was my sophomore year in college, the summer that I got my first internship um, at a place called Resner, located in Mercer, Pennsylvania. And they manufactured um, HVAC units, like the real big ones. Um, so I got an internship there as an industrial engineer and got to really work on the floor and kind of redesign some layouts, implement like 5S and lean manufacturing. It was just really, really neat. So I just fell in love with that. And how did you, uh, how did you find that, that internship when, when you yeah, were you a sophomore, you said the sophomore, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Young, Youngstown State University actually had a, a portal you could go into that, you know, had job internship opportunities. And I just started applying for a bunch. I knew, no, I was still pretty young as a sophomore, um, but just thought, hey, why not? So I put some in there and got a call back from um, Resner. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's see what this is all about. It was my first kind of big, big girl job. <laughs> and I was there that whole summer. And I mean, it's probably one, one of the most influential experiences I've had just dealing with the, the people um, on the shop floor, you know, understanding where they're at, um, 
understanding how hard change is for them. You know, I'm coming in as a young engineer in college still telling them, hey, let's implement this. Let's make this faster. Let's do this. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've been doing this for, you know, 20 some years. Like, let's let's not do that. So it was difficult at some times, but I learned so much. And um, the, the relationships I gained from that was was amazing. So that, that was very impactful for my career. And just, I mean, what was it like kind of day one when you were kind of coming to, cause you were in like, it was in Pennsylvania, right? So you're coming, yeah. like you're out of state, like you got yeah, to find 45 minute drive every yeah. day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what was really neat again, um, the industrial engineer who I worked under, um, she actually, lived in Middle Ridge, which is where I'm from. Obviously, I didn't know that at the time. Like, what are the odds? So once I started working there, she's like, hey, let's carpool. That made life a lot easier. Um, but uh, another thing you you don't know about me is um, I, at least, I, I still am. I'm super shy. Um, I might not seem that way nowadays, but I mean, throughout high school, college, I, I was always very shy. So until I get kind of comfortable, I mean, I'm those first couple weeks, I'm probably just, you know, sitting there trying to learn as much and take orders from her and, and, you know, do whatever I could. Um, they had a couple big projects when I, like, when I came in, um, they took their kind of um, bay area that was outside and wanted to, to put up some um, uh, shelving units in there to store all their stuff instead of, they used to just store them out in the weather area where rain and snow and everything would hit it. So they put it under a bay and needed all these shelving units. So I had to kind of design all that in AutoCAD, measure it all up, all the pieces, parts and stuff like that. That was really neat. And then, like I said, inside the facility, um, they were getting a new kind of unit in um, and they needed to obviously find the space to do it and figure out the flow of that. So I implemented some, some stuff to, to kind of get that area up and running essentially. Um, so I would say I was super shy and didn't really talk to anyone in the beginning. And then by the end, and it was just a summer internship. So what is that? Two, three months. By the end of that, I mean, I knew everyone and everyone could come to me. Even um, my boss, her name was Chris Lesko. Uh, she went on, I think, a, a week-long vacation trip. So I had to, I was like the industrial engineer in charge at that point. So it was pretty crazy, but it, it was a great experience. And um, I I mean, if, if there are any young folks listening in, definitely encourage anyone to, to go out and get those internship careers or um, internship opportunities because there's nothing better than getting on the job Um experience it really really helps and and um they're out there so you just gotta know where to look at them you know universities do have a lot of them have those portals you can go in and and you think you might not get the internship or maybe you don't qualify just apply um there's just so many opportunities so highly encourage anyone to to go out and and find what you're passionate about so um but yeah so that was my first internship like I said, very, very influ- influential into my career. And how then, did, go ahead. No, go, no. Go. Yeah, I mean, I think, so how did, so you had this kind of first internship, I think you were probably 
going in the same direction before I interrupt you, but kind of how did that kind of summer experience then kind of influence how you, your outlook was for the rest of your kind of course selection, kind of career selection as you were in kind of wrapping up university? Cause you're still a sophomore. So then you're starting your junior year, you have senior year, like you're kind of barely halfway through. Yeah, at that point, I knew um, I wanted to do something with manufacturing. Absolutely loved every aspect of it. Um, wanted to continue having an internship every semester. So um, that fall semester, I got an internship at um, a place called Altronics, which focuses on um, circuit board production. Um, so again, completely a completely different experience. More of um, more of I would say job flow and quality aspects um, of that uh, internship. But at the same time, what was going on was uh, Youngstown State University was also getting involved with additive manufacturing. So there, there were a few printers here and there. Don't think anyone really knew what they were (laughs) at that time. And at the same time, what was happening was because um, Youngstown University is obviously in downtown Youngstown. Also, what was being established the same time period was America Makes, back then called NAMI, which was the National Additive Manufacturing Innovation Institute. Um, so that was being stood up right at that same time where my sophomore career was going on. Um, so we actually, one of the STEM um, societies I belong to, uh, one of the professors was like, hey, let's go take a tour of NAMI. Um, we're all like, what is that? <laughs> and it was still being, you know, under construction. And I just remember going to the second floor of the building and seeing all of the, the desktop printers they had at that time um, sitting there and printing. And at that time, that was the first time I've ever seen a desktop printer and something being manufactured from basically scratch. Um, so that was another pretty pretty important uh, point in my life. Uh, just seeing, you know, again, I saw all these huge facilities, industrial facilities, um, manufacturing stuff, and then here's this little one foot by one foot box <laughs> making something out of plastic right before my eyes in a very clean facility. So it was, you know, completely different. And I'm like, I need to find out more. What is this technology? What is going on? What is NAMI? What, what is all this? So, um, I, I applied for an internship at America makes NAMI. I'm going to refer to it as America makes from now on. Um, uh, America makes, and I ended up getting an internship there. Um, the spring of my junior year, um, I was hired on as a workforce and education outreach intern. So there's my little um, side note about apply, apply, apply to any internship. If you are passionate for, you know, the, the company and what they're doing, just apply and hey, they might hire you. I mean, I was an industrial engineer and I now am a workforce and education outreach intern. Um, so that was uh, awesome, um, an amazing experience. So I was in charge of developing curriculum for students and teachers for 3D printing. 
so that was 2014. Um, so back then, I mean, it's not like it's that long ago, but it just shows how fast this industry is moving. In 2014, if you would to go on to Google and type in 3D printing curriculum, nothing existed. Um, you know, I looked everywhere for kind of a basis of how to even start a curriculum for students and there was just nothing. So I was developing this from scratch and trying to get creative. And um, so I developed a couple workshops for, for kids. We had some teacher trainings. And so not only during that internship did I develop a passion for additive manufacturing, but I was also developing a passion for teaching, which again, if you ask anyone from high school and earlier, I was the shyest person in the room. And now I want to go out and teach about additive manufacturing because I just had such a passion for this technology and was just amazed at what was going on in this industry. And um, so I, I was with, um, I was an intern at America Makes. So I started my junior spring and was there until I graduated with my um, undergraduate degree and then um, went straight into my master's for industrial and systems engineering. Uh, stuck with that, again, Youngstown State University and then started doing a lot of research in additive manufacturing. Um, my first research was in my undergraduate degree. Um, one of the the research groups I was a part of. Um, it was in 2014 as well uh, with um, Dr. Brett Connor and Guha, some of the names people might be familiar with. Um, as professors at YSU, we put together a paper called um, Making Sense of 3D Printing. And it was a paper that kind of described, you know, what are the ideal, when would you want to use additive manufacturing? You know, when does it make sense? Because people were just so amazed with the technology. You know, everyone at that time, everyone just wanted one, didn't know what they were using it for. So this paper really focused on, you know, three main things you want to look for in order to, you know, produce a part or even look at buying a part is, you know, does the part you're going to be producing have high complexity? If so, Maybe additive is the place to go. Um, does it have high customization? Does it have low volume? You know, those were the three things. High customization, high complexity, low volume. Um, if you have all those things, hey, additive, it might be, you know, something to look into. You know, if you have high volume and low, you know, complexity, traditional manufacturing is still ideal. And that, that was a hard thing. Um, over the years for people to grasp, you know, everyone wanted to get a printer and just print anything and print whatever they wanted to, but did it make sense? Was there a business case for it? Um, and I, that's what my actual thesis was on, um, was regarding business cases for additive manufacturing. Uh, so I really focused on that and trying to really get people to understand, you know, what makes sense. Um, so it's still super relevant today. I mean, even the adoption of additive, it's not like everyone's using it. I mean, most companies have some familiarity with it, but you still constantly answer those questions today, regardless of whether you're Boeing mm -hmm. or someone starting out new in the technology, 
technology. So still. It is, it is a huge hurdle um, because, you know, if, if a company does then get a uh, additive manufacturing piece of equipment, then because it, some of them do have a very high cost of investment, then they just want to start pushing their parts through. But again, just is it economical and does it make sense? And people really need to take a step back before investing in the machine and, and see, you know, what makes sense for your company. And, and at that time, another, another thing I've seen over the years, you know, uh, 2014, everything was evolving. There was a huge focus on the polymer world, obviously, um, getting those standards, uh, kind of up and running. And then now there's been a switch to the metal world. So, um, you know, that's a, that adds a whole other thing. You know, now we have 7 a.m. processes. So again, people just think of additive manufacturing and the most of the general public thinks of a desktop printer with plastic. But I mean, we have seven different types of additive manufacturing processes with all kinds of different materials, all different ways they're being manufactured, which adds all this different complexity to evaluating what, what type of process would be good for your company. So yeah, and that and that kind of kind of summarizes a lot of the talks that I would give. I would give a lot of AM 101 talks to the general public or um, you know, some some of the teachers. And then like I said, I did focus on a lot of workshops for kids. Um, I had Girl Scout workshops, um, I had some for the Jewish Community Center. Um, I had an all girls STEM manufacturing workshop before, which was really neat. Um, one of the things we did there was I got the girls, all these plastic containers, got them some sand. Um, I told them to bring in something from their house, a, a, an object. They stamped their, their object into that sand and we poured uh, plaster into it. So they did technically traditional sand casting. Then I, um, we got a 3D printed uh, sand core and mold and we went to YSU. They have a little casting foundry there and poured um, a casting there. So they got to see how traditional sand casting is done and then also one done with a 3D printed mold and core, which was really cool for these little girls to see. So that was, that was fun. That's one of those things that sticks into my head, but um, a, lot of, a lot of fun. Um, times I had in terms of teaching the young children and, and that kind of, so I did my thesis, um, that evolved around business case analysis. And at the same time, there was a, a project going on, um, that was funded by America makes why she was a, a partner on it. And it was called mammals, which uh, stands for the maturation of advanced manufacturing for low cost sustainment which was looking at the Air Force and their legacy aircraft that is out there and how can additive manufacturing be used um, for their legacy aircraft. So that's where some of that tooling comes into play. You know, instead of printing an end usable part, which could be costly, and instead of going the traditional route, which could have long lead time, you know, we could go in, in between and 3D print the tooling like investment casting or or sand casting, or um, you know, some of these legacy aircraft, um, some of these spare parts that companies don't exist anymore. 
but what do you do? You just need one part. So we, we would go um, to some of these bases and 3D scan um, some of these parts and 3D print them out. So that was a really neat um, project that I worked on at YSU and then it actually carried on into my first career. I graduated at Youngstown State with my master's in 2017 and then I got hired by the Youngstown Business Incubator as an engineering project um, manager. So uh, YBI, lots of acronyms too, so I apologize for anyone (laughs) trying to follow along. Um, But uh, the Youngstown Business Incubator was also a part of that Mammals project. So it kind of, what I was doing in college kind of carried on into my career and I continue doing business case analysis um, with them. So that was really, really fun time. And so, <laughs> and so with maybe kind of just taking a step back for kind of those in the audience who aren't familiar with America Makes, so kind of, can you give a description of kind of what is it? Like what kind of what is it in terms of an entity? How is it funded? Kind of the mission and kind of like it's a physical space, obviously in, in Youngstown, but kind of there's uh, there's a number of efforts that are kind of synchronized through through the physical space, as well as kind of all the projects that are, have been done and are being done throughout the, the country. Yeah, um, so America Makes was established as the first manufacturing um, institute for the United States. And I believe now there's like 16 of them, but we were the first one kind of stood up and we're a public-private partnership that focuses on, you know, <sighs> these emerging technologies, obviously America makes us focus on additive manufacturing. So where, where are the gaps, where are the research needs? Um, and, and that's what we kind of do as an Institute is kind of build up this technology and how we do that is through our membership. So America makes is, is membership based. Um, we have over 200 members and anyone can join to be a member. And once you're a member, um, you know, you have the opportunity to contribute to our kind of overall roadmap. So we have a technology roadmap and we have different swim lanes like process and material where all this, um, you know, these requirements to kind of lift up the technology are are really focused at. And um, so once you're a member, you can contribute to that. And then we also have project calls where we're focusing on, you know, specific research and again, once you're a member, you can um, submit on those project calls to, to be a part of that research to, to um, advance the, the technology. So um, like I mentioned, we were the, the first institute and now they're, they're all over the United States focusing on different technologies. You know, there's one for robotics and in Pennsylvania and flexible le- electronics and all these different emerging technologies. But it's really interesting to, to be a part of that first institute and get it up and running. And, and we've definitely kind of come a long way. And like you mentioned, we do have a physical location in, in Youngstown, Ohio, but, but that doesn't mean anything really, you know, we are as big as our membership and, and we do have satellite centers as well. Um, like in Texas and Kansas where they're, they're also doing the research and spreading the word of, of what we're doing. So 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's super helpful to to kind of just give some context to kind of the mission of America Makes and and kind of uh, going back to to your story. Kind of we left off at kind of you're working at the the Youngstown Business Incubator. So the idea with with that is to kind of incubate new businesses. I've been there. So, I mean, it's right next door to America makes, or at least at one point it was. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, and I guess I should explain that a little bit more. Um, Cause sometimes when you hear a business incubator, it doesn't make sense to why and an engineer who's in additive manufacturing, why am I even there? Um, but the Youngstown business incubator um, when they were established and it's probably going on 25 years, they've been around, um, they were focused on, uh, on software. So anyone who had a startup idea, you know, that dealt with software, the Youngstown Business Incubator is where you would go to, to get your feet under you and, and, you know, get your business up and running. And at the same time, America Makes was being established, the Youngstown Business Incubator, obviously was a, a part of that and saw that this technology was coming to the area. So they decided to get into additive manufacturing as well. So not only did they help software companies, but now they were going to help additive manufacturing um, startups. So um, so now you kind of have this ecosystem forming in Youngstown. You have uh, America Makes, the National Additive Manufacturing Innovation Institute. You have the Youngstown Business Incubator, which is helping additive manufacturing startups. And then you have Youngstown State University, which I didn't even mention, um, we were the second university to have all 7 a.m. processes. Um, so you have all that research coming to the university and, and students, you know, being able to be a part of, of that um, technology. So you had academia, business, this national institute. So a lot was forming in that area. So it was a very exciting time. Um, lots of opportunities. So that's kind of how I fit into there with the AM side, because they were building that up as I was kind of coming out of college. How does that, kind of maybe a, a 30,000 foot question. So, I mean, a lot of people have kind of the perception of the Rust Belt and Midwest and manufacturing as kind of a, uh, a dying breed, so to speak. It's like, well, it's it certainly gone through a transition. Like no one can argue with that in terms of, offshoring and over the last 30, 40 years, like there has been shifts of factories being vacated. And even kind of within the last few years, there's been automotive companies that have been kind of moving around some of the factories in the US. So like, how does kind of like Youngstown's in the heart of that? I mean, and you've got this kind of growing emerging technology and added manufacturing and kind of business incubation, the university and like, what's the, like from a perception within kind of the area and, and kind of outlook for the future, are there, is there kind of growing momentum? Is there excitement for the possibility of, of having some of these towns that were once vibrant and like had a lot of things going like the big factory, thousands of jobs, like, is that, excitement energy coming coming back is it that conversation shifted with what you guys are doing with america makes and ybi yeah that that's a a great um point and um 
you know, like you mentioned, I'm the, the same area that I just referenced, that ecosystem used to be full of, of you know, huge facilities, um, steel industry, and that all went away and it all died off and all the jobs went away. And then now you see this ecosystem forming again, and this is a new technology. And, you know, we do, I mean, when I was with the Young Sun Business Incubator, I mean, we saw companies from California coming to Youngstown to start up their businesses, which was unbelievable to see, you know, so that there was, there is this ecosystem forming. And what, and what was the reason? Was it access to the technology? Was it cost of living? Was it kind of, what was the, a little bit of, a little bit of both. Uh, so obviously with, with the Institute there, the university, it makes sense <laughs> on the technical aspect, but also um, the cost of living is just uh, extremely inexpensive in Youngstown versus versus California. So it makes sense for people, you know, in their initial investments and starting a business to, you know, start somewhere where they can afford it. And, and um, you know, the square footage cost to, to get your, to rent a little space at the, the incubator is, you know, pennies compared to some of those bigger, you know, cities. So, um and, and another kind of interesting thing about the Youngstown Business Incubator is, um, you know, most incubators, once you get to a certain point, they kind of kick you out the door, say, you got it, go ahead. The Youngstown Business Incubator, really, we want them to stay in Youngstown. So, I mean, they can run off of us for as long as, as they want. You know, one of the, the software companies, um, Turning Technology, they, when they, kind of brought their um, business to the Youngstown Business Incubator. They brought in a piece of paper. That was their idea. And now they're this multi-million dollar company and their facility is located right next to the Youngstown Business Incubator's facility. So we want them to stay. We want them to grow, you know. Um, so seeing that was definitely interesting as well. And and since, you know, the YBI was one building, we've actually now we're like a five a five building um, entity because we continue to grow. Um, we had a old newspaper building um, that was turned into our additive manufacturing facility. So all the high bays that used to have these printing presses on printing in, in 2D on paper is now home to these 3D printers that are printing with metal powder. So it's a very um, crazy transition for that building, but um, awesome to see and um, kind of getting into where I am today, I would say, um, so I was with the Young Stuff Business Incubator for two years and then I was offered a position back at America Makes um, and because, you know, that's kind of where it all started for me and there's just so many opportunities and it, you know, I just have near and dear to my heart. I took that position and that's where I am today. I'm the senior project um, engineer for America Makes. And a kind of another thing you'll see on my shirt, NCDMM here, um, people get kind of confused on another acronym for you as well. But that's kind of our organization. So America Makes, that's where I'm located in Youngstown. That's our building and our program is America Makes, but kind of the overarching organization is NCDMM, which is the National Center for Defense Manufacturing and Machining. 
Um, and our head, that headquarters is in Blairsville, Pennsylvania. Um, so we're all under that NCDMM umbrella and America Makes is a program run out of NCDMM. So um, where I am today, um, I, you know, I still do a lot with America Makes in terms of right now we're actually working on some pretty big renovations to our facility. So that's super exciting. Um, kind of when the facility was opened, you know, we had all the printers there and I gave hundreds of tours going through there. Um, but now we're kind of trying to transition it into more of a, a showroom and training center and education aspect. So when anyone comes to our facility, whether you're the general public, a, a stakeholder, you know, you're going to get some type of education experience as you go through the facility. So um, our renovations are going on and hopefully um, we'll have some type of grand opening at, at the end of the summer. Um, so that'll be exciting. But I'm also doing um, some work under the NCDMM organization. Um, I'm the program manager for a program called AM Now, which is focused on developing an additive manufacturing um, digital supply chain for the US Army. And that kicked off in October of 2019, is a three-year effort and where um, we're, we're in year two and, and there's lots of opportunities. Um, it's, it's a kind of regional focused program. Um, there is some congressional intent in that. So it is focused on like the Northeast Ohio, Southwest Pennsylvania area. We're trying to elevate the, su the supply chain um, and kind of get them digitally connected um, and kind of, uh, there's a lot to talk about. So if I throw the word digital threat out there, I could talk about that for another two hours. And I know we're, we're running out of time. So, but we're looking at that digital thread, looking at a very, you know, specific piece of that digital thread, the sourcing, production and delivery of parts and how we can digitally link all that together and um, kind of grab data while these parts are being produced, push it up, to this uh, secure GovCloud so that the Army can review it and kind of, you know, when they receive those parts, they can know that they were produced with confidence. That's kind of the simplest way I can explain the program. It, it's a huge effort. Um, we've got, I think, we've got a lot of individual projects going on. Um, so if anyone's listening and is a manufacturer and wants to learn more, um, you know, there we have an AM Now website, and we're looking for for suppliers who are willing to participate. Um, we're running Army relevant use cases through the supply chain while integrating them with this kind of um, IIoT edge device, so that we can digitally collect the data. Um, and then we're also developing, like I said, this this platform. And I'll throw another acronym out there. Uh, the Advanced Manufacturing Intelligence Platform, and we call it AMIP. Um, that's kind of our overall goal is this platform that will um, securely, you know, transfer contracting documents and TDPs and the manufacturing processes through this from, from U.S. Army to supplier back and forth, um, digitally linking all of that. So that's, a, that's what I'm working on right now. And um, it's an awesome, exciting program. And 
Um, lots of opportunities for suppliers. Like I said, we're trying to engage the additive manufacturing supply chain, um, the people who are producing the parts, but we're also trying to engage the post-processing, you know, the machining, surface smoothing, um, testing and inspection houses, trying to get them all hooked up and integrated into the supply chain um, for our go live date of our system, which is June of this year. And then we're gonna do some validation tests and more projects for the supply chain to validate that the system will work. So, and I know that's a lot. <laughs> I, There's no I mean, that's such an exciting project. I mean, we deal a lot of in that space as well, but there's so many interesting problems and challenges within that, especially with a large organization like the Army, where I mean, just in terms of vehicles or part numbers, I mean, it probably is in the tens of thousands of, of part SKUs, and some of them can be added manufactured, some of them aren't. The ones that can be, how do you get them to the right people, and how do you do that securely in a way that um, is time relevant and gets all that technical data in the right hands is... Um, it's a major effort. I mean, with, with all the excitement of additive manufacturing, it's the devil's in the details of, right? Like, can you, if I have a part, can I get that ordered with multiple suppliers? Are they going to all give me back the same type of part? Can I have confidence in, in that? And, yeah. and so all of those things that you have to consider in addition to a lot of the stuff that you're doing now is just to get that infrastructure, the groundwork there to communicate that information, right? So yeah. A lot standards, of repeatability, that, that's where the industry is right now, especially on the metal side, you know, how can we make these processes repeatable, you know, and that that's a whole other conversation to have where, you know, you don't just have one type of metal powder bed fusion printer, but you have multiple across different OEMs and how can you get one part with this material on this machine to match uh, the same part and material, but on a different machine. And how do we get that repeatability? And that's a huge hurdle. And that's a lot of the focus right now in the, in this, in the industry and developing the, the data specs and all that, all that fun stuff. <laughs> and how have you seen, I mean, there's this kind of push and pull in the industry right now and probably very apparent in, in the app now. Um, program is you've got a, a customer like the army that like they have certainly uh, uh, somewhat uh, like a, a decent amount of experience and additive like not everyone across the organization but certainly like there's pockets of, of people who are very skilled and in the technology and then a supply chain of american manufacturers that is also a spectrum, right? Like there's some people that have only done traditional, maybe they're getting their first machine. There's some people that just do only additive and and like that's growing, that's evolving. Like how does your, from kind of where you're sitting, like where are we at in terms of that conversation? Is there still room for kind of these small medium-sized manufacturers to start to explore additive and have opportunities to, to grow their business? Yeah, no, that, that, that's such a great point. And that is what the AML program is focused on. And I don't think I mentioned it. So that's why you just brought it up. But um, so we are focused on those small medium manufacturers in this program. And um, 
we did a, a, a baseline kind of assessment of the supply chain at the beginning of the program and saw where all these gaps existed. And, and now that we're kind of in the project phase where we're, we're funding these companies um, and kind of all of this is kind of a demonstration. So it's demonstrating to them what a government contract would be like, you know, what, what being a, a defense manufacturer would be like. And the, most of these companies have never done this before. So we're seeing a huge hurdle in just the government contracting aspect. So we're doing a lot of supplier development in, in that area. Um, and then, you know, in terms of, you know, kind of to, to go on to another um, subject, but kind of visualizing the supply chain for the army, that's another aspect of this program where um, we are we are kind of inviting all the, the suppliers to come in. Um, currently we're doing it through an online kind of supplier capabilities form where they can go in, type in all their capabilities and then we're matching them up with these projects that we're um, kicking off. And eventually that'll go into our AMIT platform, like I said, that goes live in June. And what that platform will enable the army is they can go in there, there'll be a map of the United States that has all these different suppliers. So they'll be able to visualize that supply chain and you know, look at the capabilities of the supply chain. Um, not only you know, what AM processes they can do or materials, but we're also kind of um, also gathering the different certifications they have, um, which is essential, which we've another hurdle we've seen on the program, you know, some of these TDPs are distribution D or ITAR and a lot of these small medium manufacturers don't have that registration or don't even know it exists. So we're really helping them with that. And, and um, all that capability will be in this tool. So the army can go through and, and kind of look and visualize interrogate that supply chain and, and push through, um, you know, requests for proposals and, um, the TDP is right to the supply chain for the supply chain to bid on. Um, and talking about TDP is another huge conversation we could have, but, you know, that's another big hurdle and that we're seeing on the program. You know, most of these parts, I mean, are 2D drawings. So now we're transitioning that also from a 2D drawing to a 3D PDF uh, technical data package. Um, and pushing that up into our portal as well. And it'll kind of grab that TDP, pull out all the requirements and send it off to the suppliers to bid on. So a lot, there's a lot of different aspects of this program, but we're seeing a lot of different areas for, you know, elevating the supply chain as well as elevating the AM processes and materials. Um, and then making a, a visualization tool for the, for the US Army as well, so. Lots going on. Yeah, that all sounds really fantastic. And I'm sure we could talk for three more hours <laughs> about all of this. But um, just as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, kind of, we're in kind of starting to edge towards the middle part of, of 2021, kind of in the outlook for the rest of the year, kind of in coming years. What are you excited about from kind of the work you're doing and the, the projects you're doing and kind of the additive world in, in general? Is there anything that, that really stands out in the, the coming months or years that, that you're excited to see? Yeah, um, so to go back to kind of the, 
the, you know, ASTM standards and all that stuff going on, you know, the more that we can, can develop those standards, the better off this industry will be at as a whole. And I see a lot of that happening right now. So that definitely excites me. Um, for the program I'm dealing with right now, you know, we've been, I just mentioned a whole bunch of different aspects of the program, but like I said, they're all going to come together and we're going to be able to go off and do these validation um, projects to, at that point, the supply chain, our partners should have their, their edge devices. They should be hooked up to the AIMIT platform. Um, the AIMIT platform will be ready to send, you know, to communicate from army to supplier to, to kind of validate all this, collect the data and, um, interrogate the data too and do data analytics and stuff like that so to see all that come together um towards the end of this year it's going to be super exciting um so that's what i'm really really excited to see and it's just been really awesome to kind of um work with the supply chain and see where you know where they have needed help where we could provide help and just to see them growing and, and see that this is possible. And, and, you know, even if you're a small mom and pop shop, there's so many opportunities for you. And, and um, if you are a small and medium um, supplier and interested in, in government work and want to learn more about the program, I mean, this is a great opportunity for you. So, um, you know, like I said, there's a, we're working on a specific region for this program as kind of laying the groundwork um, of it. But hopefully, you know, this will go to other regions as well and we can continue to elevate the supply chain and the, the processes and and uh, see see how this technology continues to evolve. But it, it's, it's been a, a very um, inspiring experience to be a part of. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, we'll be sure to post kind of all the links to the, the American Makes website, certainly on CDMM and, um, and M now as well. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much and, and enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you.